0: Hello and welcome to Encouraging Others and Loving Jesus. I'm your host, Kim Smith. This is episode 201, Where Did the Face Down a Giant Warrior Faith Go? This is one of those lessons that I really have no doubt applies to us all. As we have been walking our way through the book of 2 Samuel, And truly, as we walked our way through the book of 1 Samuel, we've spent, I don't know how many weeks, talking about David. David as the shepherd boy. David as the anointed one. David as the musician in Saul's court, strumming and making Saul feel better with the music calming his anxiety. David as a friend to Jonathan, the king's son. David as the military warrior. David in the bullseye of Saul's jealousy and rage. Then David as the King of part of Israel and David as the king of all of Israel. David as the one who took many wives and concubines. David as the one who was so focused on being in control and getting what he wanted that he abused his power, called for his neighbor's wife to come, and then had her husband killed. David as the one who remained in rebellion until Nathan the prophet gave him the little lamb story. David the repentant one who wrote The words of Psalm 51, where he truly seemed to come back to God and to surrender. But what happened after that? Like, How do we get from David, the bold teenager, ready to take on Goliath, the huge, well-decorated warrior, to David in today's scriptures, running from town because one of his sons has manipulated the people, and David feels like there's a takeover and he is going to get out of Dodge. What happened <laughs> between that teenage face-down-a-giant-warrior faith and the man walking out of town with his head down in fear of not only an earthly enemy but one of his own sons. I just, uh, for those of you who have listened to this podcast for any time, you know that I take on topics or sections of scripture that a lot of people would combine and they would just talk over the whole topic. Whereas I pull out two or three scriptures sometimes that you probably have never heard talked about, nor have I. And I use it as a jumping off point because my goal is not to do an in-depth Bible study. That is for you to do on your time, with your time with God, and how apt that is to talk about today. My job is to encourage you to get into God's Word and to get God's Word into you. So the last few weeks, well, last week we took a a little detour because it was our 200th episode but before that we had been talking about the dysfunction in David's family we had talked about Amnon and his lust for Tamar his half sister and and just the sordidness like it would <laughs> it's just one of those it would have been the the situation in David's household would have been great for the TV shows of our day where you've got the tell-all going on in front of the screen. Sadly, David and his family would have been great people to have on that. And that is, that is so sad because that was not the life that David grew up in from what we can tell. We know that his brothers were jealous of him at times, but he seemed to grow up in a stable home. And yet he is not providing a stable environment for his sons and daughters. He's made bad choices. He chose to marry multiple women and to have concubines. The concubines will probably come into next week's story in the fact that they will be the ones left behind to take care of his what he feels like is important. Hey, it just, if we look at the story, we look at the difference between 1 Samuel 17, which is David and Goliath and the Lord of Heaven's armies. And then we look at this story and the comparison is so obvious of where David's power base is located where he sees his power base as located. In 1 Samuel 17, as we're going to see in a moment, it is obvious that David is very much aware of who the Lord is, what the Lord has done for him, and what the Lord is willing to do. Whereas, by the time we get to 2 Samuel 15, David seems to think That he is the one in charge of his own destiny. And since he feels powerless, he goes the opposite direction. And our weekly assignment feature is, where did your face down a giant warrior faith go? I know that there have got to be some of you who are within the sound of my voice. Who, as you hear this story you're going to be convicted. You're going to be going, wait a minute. If Kim were to take me on as a topic for a podcast, she could say the same thing about me. She could ask the same questions. So as we look at the life of David and we kind of work our way through, how does this apply to us? Well, it applies to us because many of us, if I were to ask you today, today, has there ever been a time in your life where you were closer to the Lord? And my gut says that like 99.9 of you would say there has been. And as a child, I was always... Asked that question, and then the next question follow up was, Well, who moved? Because God did not move away from you. So, if today is not the day that you are the closest to the Lord and feel empowered by the Holy Spirit to go and do great things, what happened? What did you do in between time that has shifted you away? And what didn't you do in the meantime that has shifted you away? So let's look at some verses and just kind of start working through this. So 2 Samuel 15, 13 through 15. A messenger soon arrived in Jerusalem to tell David, All Israel has joined Absalom in a conspiracy against you. So I'm stopping on that because... The words, all Israel, were not correct. I mean, Absalom had done a mighty good job of getting people to turn toward him and away from David. We talked about that in previous lessons, and you can go back and listen to those, like the late 190s. You will hear the story of what Absalom was doing behind David's back. And the fact that David was so disconnected not only from what was happening in his kingdom, but what was happening in his own family. Like, this is not a person, an outsider, who was going amongst the people and turning their hearts away from David. This is his own son. And yet, for years, this has been happening, and David did not know it. He was disconnected from earthly relationships and there's no doubt he was disconnected from his heavenly relationship. But it wasn't that all, you know, when you hear all like David is seeing that everybody, well, that's not the case because some go out of town with him. So I know that not all have joined Absalom, but that was how the pronouncement was given to him And because he wasn't in a spiritual place to have a spiritual perspective to realize that even if all of Israel had joined Absalom in a conspiracy against him, that he still had the one and only Lord of Lords, King of Kings on his side. But he wasn't seeing it from that perspective. He was looking at it from from and through an earthly lens, and that is why he ran. Verse 14, then we must flee at once, or it will be too late. David urged his men, hurry, if we get out of the city before Absalom arrives, both we and the city of Jerusalem will be spared from disaster. Verse 15, we are with you, his advisors replied, do what you think is best. Is this the David who stared down Goliath? It is, and it's not. It's the same human being. But because of choices made over the years, David has lost his spiritual power. His spiritual perspective. And I know this has to resonate. With some of you. If not all of us. If we were to face. A major challenge in our life. And some of you may be facing one right now. Would you. Run to the Lord. Or would you. Only see. The human perspective. And run from. Whatever challenger there is. I know these are sobering questions. But I don't want your story to look like David's. I don't want my story to look like David's. I do not want people to look back on my life and say, you know, when she was younger, she was on fire for the Lord. She was teaching those teenagers and and she was living a godly life. What happened? But only I can make sure that at the end of my life people aren't looking back and going, what happened? At least in a negative way. I want to hit heaven running. But that's my choice. It's my choice on a daily basis. It's my choice As to whether in hardship or on the mountaintop. That I am pursuing an intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That is how we can prevent the what happens. So, Goliath. You remember Goliath. He was the Philistine champion from Gath. He was a major player. He was huge. He had his fancy, fancy big bronze helmet. He had the armor where probably weighed about the amount of David. He had been tormenting the Israelites because at least at that point in Israelite history and the history of those around them, you would do one-on-one battle. Not that you didn't take all your troops at times, but in certain times it was a one-on-one contest. And so, 1 Samuel 17, let's do this. Philistines now mustered their army for battle and camped between Socah in Judah and Azekah in Saul encountered Saul countered by gathering his Israelite troops near the valley of Elah. So the Philistines and the Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with a valley between them. Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor-bearer walked ahead of him, carrying a shield. He stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight, he called. I am the Philistines' champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Let's stop there. That verse, 11, when Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Who does that sound like? That sounds like David in 2 Samuel 15. We've had a role reversal here. So verse 12, now David was the son of a man named Jesse and Ephraim fight from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. Jesse was an old man at the time and he had eight sons. Jesse's three oldest sons, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shimei had already joined Saul's army to fight the Philistines. David was the youngest son. David's three oldest brothers stayed in Saul's army, but David went back and forth so he could help his father with the sheep in Bethlehem for 40 days. Every morning and evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army. One day, Jesse said to David, take this basket of roasted grain and then 10 loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers and give them, uh, give these 10 cuts of cheese to their captains. So how, see how your brothers are getting along. And bring back a report on how they are doing. David's brothers were with Saul and the Israelite army at the Valley of Elah fighting against the Philistine. So David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with the gifts as Jesse had directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shots and battle cries. Soon the Israelite and the Philistine forces stood facing each other army against army. David left his things with the keeper of supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant the man asked? He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife, and the man, man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. <laughs> David asked the soldiers standing by, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway, that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And these men gave David the same reply. They said, yes, that is the reward for killing him. When David's older brother Eliab heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. What have I done now, David replied. I was only asking a question. He walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. Then David's question was reported to King Saul and the king sent for him. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly went, you are only a boy and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. He said, when a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by a club, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do this to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Hang on to that. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet, and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them in his shepherd's bag, then armed only with the shepherd's staff and sling, He started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out toward David, (coughs) excuse me, with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, But I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today, the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him, reaching into his shepherd's bag, taking out a stone. He hurled it with a sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over, pulled Goliath's sword from his sheath, David used it to kill him and cut off his head. Wow, 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 wow. So, if we didn't know the story, if we didn't know the life of David, might it be that we would anticipate that these two accounts would be reversed? That David, older supposedly wiser, having walked with the Lord for much longer than a teenager, would be the one that would have a testimony that the Lord who rescued me from the claws of a lion and a bear will rescue me from this Philistine. And that he would know that he's going to come at Absalom as the representative of the Lord of heaven's armies and that God was going to fight his battle. But instead of his faith growing stronger and him being more on fire to fight the battles on behalf of the Lord of heaven's armies or to allow God to use him as an instrument in fighting that battle, David has lost that connection. He's lost his spiritual perspective. He's lost that face-down-a-giant-warrior faith. And how did he lose it? Did it just go away one day? Well, it definitely didn't, because if you go back and read through the life of David, you will see that when he was on the run for 10 years from Saul, he had his ups and downs when it came to his faith, but for a good portion of it, the psalms that are written during that time, they're psalms of struggle within, but he comes back to the place, but the Lord is going to be the one who is going to win this. He's going to eventually give me the victory. He might start out, David might start out going, Why am I in a cave and this crazy man's running around outside? But He would get to a place where he refocused on the Lord. So he definitely had some years where his faith was growing because he was depending on the Lord. But from what I can see, the trouble came in the years of prosperity. It wasn't the years of struggle and evading Saul and his army. It was in the prosperous years where he, he was bored, hence why he called for the neighbor's wife, because he was not where he was supposed to be, because he had gotten full of himself. He wasn't leading the army. He wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. He had way too much time on his hands. The number of times that I have people say things like, well, I don't have time. Well, we all are allotted 24 hours in a day. What are you doing with that time? Are you using your waking time to pursue Christ? Or are you spending your waking hours playing on your phone? Having conversations you shouldn't at work? Seeking the brass ring? Seeking a relationship that you know is not of the Lord? How are you using the time that God has allotted. Are you going to look back when you meet the Lord and have that painful question of what happened? Or are you going to Make choices today and follow through and pursue the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Does that mean you're going to follow him perfectly all the days of your life? Absolutely not. But I'm quoting a phrase that I've used so many times over the years by author Lisa Turkers. She talks about imperfect progress and the fact that, no, we're not going to be making perfect progress, whether it be with your weight, whether it what, whatever it may be in your life when you're trying to make a major change, but imperfect progress beats the alternative of either standing still or falling back. So where did your face down a giant warrior faith go? And what did you do in the interim to allow it to slip away and or to see those faith muscles atrophy? God just gave me the visual of the physical body. And I think I've mentioned on here before that I'm pretty much a gym rat. Like, I love going to the gym, I love working out. But if I stop today, those muscles are not going to stay the same, they're going to atrophy. Even though I am not doing something to intentionally take away strength. Because I am not continuing to activate them and grow them, I am going to fall back. I mean, people who have been bodybuilders, who have not kept up their craft, what happens to their bodies is is not a pretty sight. Same thing for spiritual. When we do not pursue the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we are not prepared for the Absalom days. And I contend that there shouldn't have been an Absalom day. There shouldn't have been a conspiracy of Absalom against David's kingdom. If David had pursued the Lord with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength, He wouldn't have had the mess that he had in his own household and in the kingdom of Israel. He is reaping what he sowed. And as we will see next week, as we look further into David's head down exit out of Jerusalem, we're going to see him do a nod at God in the midst of it. But not truly pursue the Lord. He has spent so many years not focusing on the power that comes from God's Spirit not focusing on that relationship, not focusing on taking care of the earthly relationships, then he's going to struggle. And Absalom, who is just eat up with greed, eat up with power hungry, eat up with animosity, we're going to see him die a really, really tragic death. So what are you going to do today? What are you going to do today, tomorrow, the next day, the next day, the next day, to keep you from a day like David, where you have your head down, Not focused on the fact that the Lord will fight for you, just stay still. Feeling like all the battles are yours and you do not have any energy to fight them. What are you going to do today? What are you going to change? What are you going to take away what relationship are you pursuing that is absolutely not of God? What habit? What what have you been spending your time doing that is not growing your faith muscles? Why do you not have the spiritual perspective of, I can face down any giant in the Lord's name? Today's the day of assessment. Today's the day of going to the Lord with, as you may know, two of my favorite verses that are written from David and begging God to search me and know my heart, to test me and know my anxious thoughts, to point out any way in me that offends you, and to lead me in the way everlasting. And God will do it. God wants you in his, in his hands. He's got you in his hands because he's not going to let you go. But he wants you to want that closeness. He wants you to pursue him. He wants you to see the world from his perspective. Because we have one life to live. And I don't know about you, but when I stand before God, I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I do not want to hear what happened. So thank you so much for tuning in today. Again, we have our YouTube channel now up and running. I'm thinking I may talk a little bit on that here in a few minutes we 've got the link down below to that we've got the link to the first Samuel 17 scripture that I read our Instagram Twitter uh, you can email me at encouraging others in loving Jesus at gmail.com the hidden episodes the first episodes of the podcast are down at the very bottom in the links and just remember that this is uh, it's free for you to listen to. It's free for you to share with others. Who is it that you think might be able to benefit from this lesson today? I think I think we all can. Because either we're in a what-happened state or we don't ever want to be in a what-happened state. So, just remember, it's always a trust and obey kind of day.